with Jules and Express. Yeah. Like. Well, now it's. I almost feel like Jules and Express should be feeling they're good that they're playing with Amphis because he's insane. <laughs> I, I did see your um response to. Was it sh- show? Uh, some, it was some NA cards, just like. Jarby. Was it Jorby? Yeah. yeah. I was just like, Amphis is the next big thing as well. Definitely Again, great. My prediction for that final, no offense to you, but was that Ground Zero was going to beat you guys in the finals. That was my prediction Look, I, for the start of the day. That was no my one prediction expect, start of the day. No one expected us to win. Is Like, it is just what it is. Um, Dude, it's sick, that doesn't mean I didn't lose my mind. <laughs> I think everyone's lost their mind, to yeah. be honest. I was like in a call with some, you know, like some of the RLO peeps, and I was just like, fucking bench.
Welcome one, welcome all to Behind the Wheel, our ESPN Esports Rocket League program. Thank you so much for watching us live every Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, on YouTube, the ESPN app, as well as Twitter. If you watch every single second of Rocket League across all regions, good for you. You don't have kids. But for the rest of us who can't watch everything that is out there right now in the new format of Rocket League. We hope that this show helps get you caught up to speed so that you can not only find out what happened this past weekend, but also look forward to what will happen in the near future. Of course, as I mentioned, we have a new format in RLCSX. And this past weekend, OCE took center stage and major champions have been crowned. And we are very lucky to dedicate this show to Australia and the OCE region as we have two esteemed members of that community joining us on the show today. Say hello to Formal, who is a Rocket League OCE caster, very well esteemed in the community. And also the champ is here, one third of Mind Freak. Say hello to Caveman Ben. OCE major champions. How does that sound, Ben? Oh, that has a nice ring to it. Say it again one more time. OCE Rocket League Fall Split Major Champions of the Let's just say champions of the world. If you guys were champions on the major the stage, world. no one can say, listen, we didn't get a LAN. We didn't get no. other regions no. playing each other. So you could be. I mean, we just put we it could out be. there. You know, I mean, let's yeah. go with that title. I think that title has a bit of a better ring to it. I like that. <laughs> so I want to ask you before we get started, we're going to dive into OCE history. And I want to be very clear to everybody watching. I am not as well educated on the OCE region of Rocket League as as uh, many of you watching, I assume, are and our esteemed guests today. So this is going to be a learning experience for me. I can't wait to dive into it. I do want to ask, though, Ben, before we get started, mm-hmm. you just want a major. A major usually would be surrounded by fans, and this would be a huge event. It would usually be across regions, etc. But this is still a major event. Major money involved. The biggest event of the region for the split, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know how it felt. Like, you win the tournament, even putting aside the probability and and everything. Just more so winning a championship as a competitor in these circumstances. You're at home or, or wherever you were. You're not around fans. You still win a significant tournament. How did that feel? Like, take me through those emotions. Um, there was a lot of shock, I think, at the moment. Because, you know, obviously we weren't predicted to win, right? Um... But to be honest, there was a lot of emotions after we won against Renegades in the semifinals. Like, you know, there was a lot of screaming, a lot of shouting, probably getting evicted because I woke up a few neighbors. <laughs> but, you know, I, in, the, in the moment, um, it was just me in my room, right? Like, I, I was only there. I was talking to the people in my Discord. But the only person I could go and talk to was my roommate. And I told him I won a major. And it was, you know, excitement and all. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird not being able to celebrate with anyone Um in real life and, you know, getting applause or, you know, whatever, like if there was on a land stage, but yeah, the, the emotions were still there, but you know, it it sucked. I couldn't share them with anyone in person. Like I called up my, my family and let them all know and they were happy for me. But um, yeah, the, the emotions were all, you know, it it was a lot of shock. I think if um, I was there with people, maybe, who knows? Maybe I even would have cried. Like I was, I was, I almost cried when I was talking to my mom about it because you know she's a big fan. But yeah, the the emotions were at an all time high. That's for sure. 
How there was uh, no pizza joint below where you were playing this time around, was there? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) How how uh I want to ask this tactfully, like I'm I'm just genuinely curious. Like even watching sports, right? Like the Lakers Mm -hmm. won the NBA title yesterday, and you could see it on their faces. They were happy to win. Obviously, any professional athlete would be happy to win a championship. But it didn't feel the same watching it on the outside. Like it felt like watching that, watching uh, other championships won in a bubble environment. Like it just felt like they were more exhausted or relieved than anything. Like different emotions came in as opposed to if you were surrounded by fans and it was like a traditional championship win, right? So mm-hmm. I guess I want to ask, like, does it feel like a major tournament victory even if you were playing in your in your room? Um. I would like to say yes. I would like to, but I definitely feel... I mean, I've never been to a land before. I, I want to make one, but I think the energy that you would get from the audience would definitely affect, you know, the way you play and the the gameplay. So uh, I don't think it was a... It didn't feel like a major tournament win because of, um, you know, the fact that there was no difference from this and any of the previous regionals in terms of format or pricing like the only thing that was different was the fact that it was on the rock league main channel which is a huge deal for oce um and the double points so i i think it still kind of felt like a major to me um and a lot of people because it was on the rock league main channel and that's as close as we can get to you know a bigger audience um but yeah the the fact that there wasn't a land kind of did make it feel less significant so we're going to dive into the entire split for OCE and formal, uh, this definitely comes as a surprise to many people, right? Like Mind Freak weren't necessarily on many people's victory predictions going into the major, let alone many of the regionals. I'm not talking out of school here. I'm looking at the regional results and Mind Freak have a couple of third place finishes in the regionals but a lot of people might have had other names at the top of that list, right? So let's put it all yep. into context. Throughout the entire split formal, like how significant and how impressive was this major victory for Mindfreak? I mean, it was one that was a little bit out of nowhere. At uh, the start of Season X, it was the perception in OCE that it's essentially a two-horse race. It's going to be between Renegades and Cringe Society. And when we sort of started with that first regional, that looked to be the case. Same thing continuing with the second regional as well. Now, you had that third horse, which was a bit of the crowd favorite in ground zero, where people wanted them to do well, but the consistency had been a thing. Um, in between seasons nine and season X, they were starting to dip a bit with their results. Uh, Amphis was still trying to figure out how to gel with that team. Third regional comes around, they start to look a bit better, and then everyone's looking at this three-horse race, but that was the expectation of it all. It's like, these are our three major teams. Um, It's a shame that only two of them can go to Worlds at the end of Season X because there's only two spots, but all three of these teams could possibly do well. Mind Freak, meanwhile, was sort of back a bit in that fight to get to the semifinals. It would be like between them and gaming gamers necessarily for fourth place or like whoever has the luckier sort of Swiss bracket set up, they're going to be the team that sort of squeaks through. Uh, I always kind of put them in that fourth place spot. Uh, a lot of people, though, would put Gaming Gamers there. I can understand why. I think we can get into that a little bit later. So, yeah, to see them pull off not one, but sort of two perceived upsets during this playoff um, after the run that they had, 
totally would have caught the entire scene by surprise, but it's not necessarily an unwelcome one because people have always sort of seen the potential in this team and they've always sort of wanted more teams to sort of step up and challenge these juggernauts of the region. And to see that actually materialize in the major event was absolutely astounding. So Formal alluded to this. We're going to have his top 10 power ranking in terms of OCE Rocket League teams after fall split has concluded. That's coming up a little bit later on in the show. We also invite you to throw some questions in the chat. You got questions for Formal. You got questions for Caveman Ben. Please throw them in chat. I'm monitoring. We already have one, Caveman. This is sort of off topic, but listen, all questions are welcome here uh, as it pertains to Rocket League. Uh, Blaylock asks, how'd you get your name? How'd you pick Caveman Ben? Uh, it's, it's a good it's a good question. It, it comes up quite a bit. So <clears throat> back when I was 12 years old and I was playing uh, uh, football with my team, uh, we went to a team huddle. And which, which football would this be for the Americans? This is the AFL, uh, Aussie, Aussie Rules oh. Football. Aussie Rules Okay, thank you. Yeah, real football. Not even rugby. Oh, not real, even rugby. Okay, yeah, real football. <laughs> got it, okay. Real football. Real, real world. Yeah, got it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, we, we went in for a huddle. And back in the day, my hair used to be out there. Like, it was it was a big afro. It was quite messy. Um, like, I, I showered this morning, so my hair is a little bit less wild. But I, I, I'm not even joking. We're in the huddle. And my teammate looks at me. And he's just like, you look like a bit of a caveman. And that's it. That was like the full... And and, I was just like, I was just like, cool. And then a few days later, I was, uh, I was trying to think of a new Steam name because at the moment, uh, at the time, I was running with Get Schooled, which wasn't exactly cool by any standard. Uh, so I switched over to Caveman Ben, and that's been what I've been going with for the last eight years or so. So the hair you have now, on a scale of one to ten, where does it rank to the old hair that got you the Caveman name? Oh, like nine, I think it is. I think this is actually longer than what it was back in the day, but I just style it more. Okay. okay. Style it more, I should say. Um, <laughs> in quotation marks, got it. In quotation marks, big quotation marks. But yeah, it's 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 getting back to its former self. That's for sure. So as I as I mentioned, please throw questions in the chat. Uh, there is a question formal actually about uh, different play styles. Just uh, what you've noticed. Uh, if you were actually, let's start with this. If you were to describe the play style in OCE as compared to other regions, what would it be? Uh, okay, well, let's do go with the car that we're famous for, right? The Dominus. Everyone here seems to like the Dominus, and I feel like Dominus sounds like dominant, and that's sort of similar to the play style. Uh, we're very, very aggressive in how we approach the ball and how we attack it. Uh, we're more likely to sort of commit for an attacking play than maybe play that safer option. Now... I might actually see that trend starting to change, funnily enough, with Mind Freak's victory. I'm curious to see if this is going to lead to a ripple effect, because it always seems like one of our more defensive-oriented teams. It's still strange to think of Mind Freak as a defensive team, especially if you watch some of EU. Uh, they're not nearly as defensive as the more defensive teams there, but we're very in attack-heavy um, style. We like tight offensive rotations. We like to sort of pelt the ball and almost bait defenders out of the box with just shots after shots I've noticed and a lot of sort of those middle and upper teams sort of play like this the renegades are really notorious for this actually they love um just attacking and just trying to like good offense through defense and you rarely sort of see the counterattack strategy play through so it, it's definitely more that focused um it's why we're kind of called the more aggressive region I also think 
a lot of regions might look at it and consider it sloppier because defensively it means higher scoring games. A lot of things get through. Um, when you do see counterattacks, they're usually a lot more successful. Uh, yet, I don't know. There are benefits to it. I think it sometimes can catch teams off guard. But as I mentioned before, the patient game always seems to pay off. There's always seems to be one or two teams that make these quote-unquote miracle runs by playing a bit more defensively and waiting for that counterattack. I think another notable example of this was back in Season 8 when the Canberra Havoc caught everyone off guard by sort of just playing, wait for your opponents to make the mistake, let the ball come to them, and then strike. Very similar to what we saw Mind Freak do Season 10 just now. It was a lot more passive play, and it seemed to pay off. So, yes, historically, we're kind of known as that aggressive, let's just go for that ball, let's smack it hard. But I do see a world where this is going to start to change. So, Ben, I, I did have a chance to watch the final. I loved how you and the team handled the ball in the air. Like, the passing is sublime. It's just, like, some great passing plays there. Uh, I also um, noticed that oftentimes you guys made it look easy. Like, I'm not saying it was easy for you, but it looked very coordinated at a lot of times in that final. And it, and it really feeds into the story. Like, I want to hear this from your perspective because one of the storylines that the casters were talking about was the fact that you and your team struggled against the top three teams, so to speak, the entire split. And so I'd love to hear from your perspective. Like, what was it about this tournament? Was it preparation? Was it uh, the stars aligning? Like, what was it about this tournament, this major, that you were able to overcome that obstacle and beat teams like Renegades in Ground Zero? Um, to answer that, kind of have to look at how we did in the first few events. So at the start, when we had just formed in the first regional, we were pretty much a glass cannon team. Like we had a killer offense, but that was pretty much it. We would concede a lot, but as long as we could score more and keep the ball in the opponent's half, you know, very OC kind of style, um, we were able to win. And that worked against every other team, but the top three pretty much. And in that event, we lost to Renegades twice and Cringe society once i believe um so after that we kind of looked at revamping our gameplay and you know being a bit more defensive and trying to implement a little bit more control um and that seemed to mean that we were doing we were less dominant against worse teams but we weren't actually beating the top three teams yet either um and we were kind of on a downwards trajectory if you look at our um on paper results from um event one to event three so in preparation for this major, we were kind of in a, a downward slump. Uh, we weren't particularly happy with how we played, um, but we brought in our new coach, Lethal for Life, and he he kind of got us organized. Like we we didn't have a direction like our scrims. We were just playing. We didn't have much uh, to really improve on. So when we brought him in and we he forced us to, say, okay, what are we working on? This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Um, and having him sit in comms with us and kind of remind us of the things that we worked on, it meant that when we were playing, we were playing like we were in scrims. You know, we were implementing the things that we had been working on. Um, and I think that made the world of difference against Renegades and Ground Zero. Um, I think on the Saturday when we played against Cringe Society, we were kind of doing that, but not at the same level. So uh, I think if it was us versus Cringe Society in the grand final, I don't know how that result would have turned out. And to be honest, if we knew that Cringe was waiting for us in the final, I don't know if we would have been Renegades as well. Because um, I know personally for me, a lot of the motivation behind uh, their Renegade series was being able to play against Grand Zero in 
grand final because you know um, all the people on my team are such good friends with them and it would be a really good series that uh, I don't think had been played in RLCSX yet, um, like us first Ground Zero. So yeah, I, a lot of it did kind of come down to preparation. Um, obviously, just all of us playing really good on the day uh, definitely helped all of us. Um, you know, new coaching, a lot of things aligned for us and I think we just really hit our timing with our preparation. Speaking of the Renegade series, we have to ask about the reverse sweep. Uh, I would <laughs> love to know, I would love to know mm-hmm. what you and your teammates were saying to each other before Game 7. P- please take me into that conversation. So okay. let's set the table, let's set the table. Mm-hmm. You go up 3-0, one of those mm-hmm. games was a 3 nothing. Game 1 was a 2 nothing. So some pretty decisive victories. You yep. win one nothing in Game 3. Then Renegades come back, 2-0-3-1-2-0. So they win by two in all three games. Mm-hmm. That's a confidence that has that in any circumstance you would you would forgive players for that being a confidence crusher. So now we get to game seven before the game. You're talking with your teammates. What is being said? Pretty much the exact same thing that had been being said before games four, five, and six. There is no pressure on this. We have one more game to close it out. Let's just do our best. We were happy with the top four finish uh, because we. Didn't come top four in the last event, and we wanted to at least keep that level of consistency. So we kept reminding ourselves, let's have some fun. We're doing our best here. Um, If we win, that would be insane, and let's go and win the whole thing. But if we don't, that's okay. You know, we we gave it our all. We took it to game seven. There's not much else that anyone could really ask for us. So we kind of just reminded ourselves of um, what we've been practicing in scrims. We treated it like it was any other game. Um, but yeah, that that game seven was intense, man. I don't I don't even know what to say. Like if Fever didn't get that one clutch shot from the from the wall, I, I don't even know how that went in. Like that was that was an insane shot and like full full credit to Fever for that game seven. Like he was he was the clutch king in that one for sure. Um but yeah, we I, I don't know, we were we were pretty much just um trying our best to maintain our nerves before the game and, uh, you know, try not to put any more pressure on ourselves than necessary. Formal, put into context how yeah. impressive or, like, significant that oh. series win is, or even that goal, or even, even just that I mean, seven. I mean, the goal significance is the same with sort of any clutch goal, um, with how momentum-based Rocket League can be. Fever hitting that one sort of reignites the entire team. They can pop off, they can build around it. And we've seen that, I think, all throughout. But again, that victory, again, as Ben was highlighting, the big thing that Mind Freak really wanted to do, just because of, unfortunately, it's a bit of a poorer matchup for them, no offense, was avoid cringe society. Their best chance to win this entire tournament was going to be against Ground Zero. So having that in front of them, he said it himself, there's that motivation right there. Renegades kind of becomes that major obstacle. And as scary as sort of coming from behind and Ben's building off what you said, yeah, I suppose you can lie to yourself a bit. There's no nerves or pressure here. I I don't, you can say that all you want, whether or not that actually translates is another story. But having those three wins, I think, were bigger almost for them, especially that game three victory, holding on for four and a half minutes of the Renegades offense. Like that was Renegades in full force playing the type of style they enjoy playing. And Mind Freak survived that. So even though it did look like Renegades were starting to bounce back and get their own momentum going, 
Mind Freak had already proven that they can take the best Renegades has to offer, and they only need to survive it one more time. And yeah, it took that fourth try for them to do it, the final try, but they again held on with that 1-0 victory. So it's very, I suppose, I almost lean more towards Game 3 being the most vital game in that series as opposed to the Game 7s or that turnaround. Game 3 was the one that really proved, I think, to Mind Freak and to everyone watching that, yes, this is a team that not only can beat the best, like the perceived best team and arguably still the best team, but they're probably now going to win this entire tournament. What a moment. But, yeah. I mean, any reverse sweep is always impressive, right? But, mm-hmm. but especially coming from what on paper would be considered an underdog team against one of the top teams all split and for it to go down like that... Like, going into Game 7, how many people were thinking, oh, Renegades are going to pull this off, right? And then all of a sudden, here comes Mind Freak, clutch play, yeah. they eliminate. Like, that is that is a moment. Yeah. Is how, Where does that compare to actually winning? Like, winning, obviously, is the important part and everything that comes with it. But, like, in terms of moments in the tournament, where does that reverse sweep completion compare to the actual tournament victory? Uh, I think that was probably the highlight. I mean... F- you know, besides from winning, I think winning was obviously the highlight. I know physically I had the biggest reaction after winning that series versus Renegades. Like, I was properly shaking. And, like, my, my voice was, like, fluctuating. I None of us could really believe it. Like, <laughs> we were all just like, oh, my God, we got top two. We beat Renegades. Um, it was it was an insane. Um, but, yeah, that, that was definitely, I think, the, the turning point. Um, because, you know, as you said, like, coming against a reverse sweep is always something to be worried about. Like, anytime you go up in a series, like, if you go two games up in a best of five or three games up in a best of seven, it, it kind of kind of appears in the back of your mind, just like, hope we don't get reverse swept. Would be pretty embarrassing. Um, especially because we had, you know, Renegades hadn't scored until game four. That was the big thing as well. Um, and as soon as they got that first goal, it was just like, the floodgates have opened. This This isn't looking too good. Um, but yeah, no, that, that Renegades win was probably the highlight second to winning for sure. That's awesome. I love hearing that. I love hearing stories behind the scenes of those, of those massive moments. We're getting a lot of questions, uh, formal, just about comparing regions. I don't want to do that too much because I'd love to (coughs) shine a spotlight on OCE as a region and get some analysis on the region itself. But I would like to ask about, uh, we talked about play style earlier. What about like just even... Uh, coaching philosophies or coaching styles, or even more more generally, if you want to dive into the coaches around the OCE Rocket League, like whether it's Lethal on on Mind Freak Ben, you can talk about him a little bit, or just other coaches around the league and and, and some of their their coaching styles. What would you say about that, Formal? Uh, well, I feel right now um, when you sort of approach coaching, and I think how a lot of the teams approach things. And Ben can correct me if I'm wrong on this. This is still I'm still that you know extra layer just outside, still looking in, but like. It always seems to me that there's been some resistance to coaches with some of the teams initially because it's essentially the scene a couple years ago for what would be NA or EU. Like, we're still sort of developing, and I think some teams sometimes struggle with the idea of a coach and thinking, you know, the players know better, the players can do it themselves. What is the coach going to bring that we don't bring ourselves? And as a result, a lot of the coaches that are having success aren't necessarily the strategy coaches, but more so the mental coaches uh, Jimma is a big one that comes to mind. Canberra Havoc season eight, 
Fury season nine, ground zero season 10. That's three finals in a row. Yes, they didn't win any of them, but like that's still back-to-back finals from someone who focuses more on your mentality as opposed to playing it well. And when you look at those three teams, all of those were sort of upsets to even be in the finals to begin with. Uh, Similarly, Lethal is another one who's coming up. You mentioned that name. He's an ex-player, so that also kind of goes with it. He's played a lot in the past, really respected in the scene. I, I don't really know his coaching style just yet. I'm sure Ben could probably break that down a little bit more, but he's already getting results very, very quickly. Southern Stars, a team that a lot of people never even heard of because in some like the players, very, very new, sour string, Kevin07. Uh, they come out of nowhere and they start getting top 16 results in RLCS, and he's a big driving focus of that uh similarly you have obviously the success of mind freak he comes in a couple weeks before you know this big turnaround as the team is slumping they're now winning the major even in the university league lethal is coming in teaching his team they just pulled off like i believe the swinburne side the school he sort of coaches and mentors just pulled off a win against griffith which also has you know some of the best universities like i know this is even further deeper into oce but everything lethal is touching right now is just victory after victory after victory he got two big victories on the same day because that university upset actually happened like immediately after um he wins rlcsx with mind freak then he goes and he drags his team over like the second best uni and now actually lethal has to go against ben which is going to be a lot of fun if you're interested in ever following intervarsity leagues he gets (laughs) ben gets to play his coach um but yeah, it's actually kind of crazy to think that like coaching is only just now starting to have that impact in terms of teams. And the big result we're seeing, I think, is cleaner play styles from these teams. Like they are the teams that are a little bit less reckless, a little bit more controlled most of the time. They're that more defensive focused team, and they're the ones that are finding success. How would you describe your coach, Ben? How would you describe Lethal's coaching style? Oh, I don't think Lethal even knows himself, to be honest. I mean, he's very <laughs> green as a coach. He's very green. Um, so how do you deal with that? How do you, I mean, how does, how, well, does, how does the dynamic get created then? I, I think it's important to note that um, I think Jim had kind of changed the way that coaches have looked in OC. I don't know how it is in NA and EU, but before Jim was introduced, coaches were kind of looked as uh, either ex-pro players that would do like individual sessions and kind of say, all right, you need to rotate like this. You need to, um, you know, you need to hit this ball here. They were kind of like problem solvers, right? But when Jimmer came, he kind of changed the dynamic. And he, instead of being a coach that would sit down and do replay analysis and tell them what was wrong, he was a part of the team. You know, he was a resource. He would uh, sit in comms with the players. He would um, remind them of what they were doing right and wrong. Kind of builds a lot of mental strength. Um, he's a really big uh, believer in mindfulness and that practice and keeping yourself at peak performance in that regard. So... Uh, when we brought on Lethal, we knew, well, I knew that he was very green as a coach and I I was one that brought him onto the team. Um, but I went into it with the mindset of, uh, as much as Lethal is helping us, we need to help him become better coach. So in the week leading up to it, he would sit in in comms, you know, he didn't really have an idea what he was doing, but we pretty much told him, Hey, do you reckon you could do this for us? Uh, we really liked what you said here, but maybe try and say it this way or, um, you know maybe just do this and leave out that part. So it's been um, a bit of a symbiotic relationship uh, where he's he's trying to model himself after Jimmer because he, you know, I think everyone's kind of wanting a Jimmer on their team. Um, someone who's not just, 
there to sit down do replay analysis you know once every week or so but someone who's actually you know in comms part of the team you know celebrating you know keeping you in the game um so yeah i think that's that's kind of what people are moving towards in oc in terms of coaches um but yeah lethal style at the moment is very is very new like he's still finding his footing but i think the win this weekend has kind of um given him some confidence in what he's doing at the moment i love the idea that like Sorry to cut you off for him. I just want to make a quick point. I love the idea that there's like a mutual growth happening. Because usually when you hire a coach in any competitive scene, even other regions of Rocket League, like that coach is there as a mentor role or a leadership role or a, you know, to help improve. Whereas here with Mind Freak, it sounds like it's a mutual lifting, you know, like a rising tide floats all boats. And there's like a, a two-way communication to help both parties grow, which I, which I find interesting for him. Well, that's really interesting to hear that sort of perspective. Yeah, and I actually wanted to build off that because a lot of the teams in OCE that are finding the success from the coaching are actually those younger teams. Uh, Mind Freak, you know, Ben is still a newer player to the same scene. Um, when you look back at Fury and sort of the relationship that Amphis now kind of has with Jimma. In fact, it was so strong that it carried over to Ground Zero. You can go further back to Canberra Havoc in their breakout year. It is the younger players who are more receptive to this kind of coaching. And we are sort of seeing that parallel of both of them growing together. And it's starting to threaten sort of the old guards of the scene being the Cringe Society and Renegades more and more. Like we finally actually see them sort of topple them actually very recently and that's an exciting prospect i think for us as a region i know I've, I've been looking at the chat as well and people are always asking can oce compete you know with those major regions and i think we're very close now i'm not sure we're entirely there yet but with this sort of new trend building and like a bit more discipline a bit more coaching being receptive to it i think we're getting to that stage where yeah soon we will be hopefully neck to neck with some of those big guns and that has a large reason to do with it I think that's it's always going to come up with many regions, right? I mean, we see, honestly, a lot of the conversation, not to veer away from Rocket League, but obviously Worlds is happening right now in League of Legends, and that's always a discussion, right? Oh, the wild card regions, how will they do against the established four? And is North America uh, a wild card region itself now? Is it regressing, blah, blah, blah? But, like, that always happens, right? Especially with regions that fans don't necessarily pay as much attention to or don't see that often, they will always ask, well, how will they compete and how will they be able to keep up with the established regions, particularly previous world champions, right? So with that in mind, I'd love to hear, Formal, before we get to your top 10, I'd love to hear about some names. Like, throw some names out there that people in chat, whether they watch OCE Rocket League or whether they want to begin uh, paying more attention to it. What are some names they really, really should be paying attention to uh, that are really on the come up? Right. Well, there's a few here. I mean, obviously, Mind Freak, you can say they're one of them. I mean, for I think a lot of the international audience, <laughs> this was their first chance seeing them. They break out. They come up huge. So Mind Freak definitely deserves to be in that discussion, similarly with Ground Zero. But if you want to dig deep and actually look in sort of that OCE region and sort of look for the players and teams that are starting to step up, um, if you're sick of, for whatever reason, if you're sick about hearing, you know, you're Core sauce, your drip, drip A's, your expresses. 
um, we have had a big influx of, you know, younger, very, very skilled players. Uh, ben being one of them, he's sort of broken out this year. Amphis, obviously, I think is going to be the next best player in the region very, very soon if he isn't already. You have the likes of Fever and Fiber. Each of them are looking insane. Hawk is finally going to be old enough very, very soon to start competing. I think he's actually going to come in our winter split, if not for sure during our our fall split, but you will all call it the spring split up in the northern hemisphere. Um, these how are dare all. Gonna I, be- by the way, can I just point out that uh, how dare I show a North American bias and talk about being in the afternoon when what t- what time is it even where you got in Australia right now? Six, like, almost six in, in the morning. morning for me. I can't. Yeah, but, like we six. took you way out of gamer hours to wake up for this show. So th- let's all put a dub in the chat for the fact that they had to wake up well before they would normally wake up for this okay i'm just a round of applause for that i mean that's just i wouldn't want to do that and here y'all are at 6 a.m your time waking up for the show i love it sorry formal i cut you off no it, it, it's all good i mean you know it's actually 5 a.m for me but um anyways i digress okay okay <laughs> No, the secret because you're in the dumb time zone, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to whip out the 5 a.m. card. No, 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 no. We just do the smart thing and completely ignore daylight savings here. That wow. that's the Queensland wow. way. That's how we do it. But yeah, um, definitely this influx of young players going to be super exciting to watch to see how they grow. And then sort of three teams that I'm kind of highlighting as well. If you want to dig deeper, um, the first one that I really, really think people should look for is the gaming gamers. Uh, I'm sure besides having arguably the best name, they will pop up on occasion in sort of those, you know, top four situations. They were frequently competing with Mind Freak actually for that fourth place spot until this last weekend. This team, super fun to watch. I think I'll go into them a little bit more, perhaps in the power ranking, small spoiler right there. Uh, but they have a similar ability to sort of break out out of nowhere. I think this is a team in particular that could benefit from getting, you know, their Jimma or getting their lethal, because if they have a coach, they could really do some damage. Uh, another team that I think people may have missed out on um, because they kind of missed out on the second regional is Riot Gaming. Uh, this team, they're young, um, they're hungry, uh, they have some sort of experience, but the big player right there is actually Zuko, who I think is going to be a breakout player in the very near future. He's big in both OCE as well as actually in the Asian scene. He um, plays in a lot of the tournaments there as well. And Riot Gaming, they're going to be one to watch out. The only reason why they weren't in the top 16 fighting for that top eight was because they missed the second regional, which was a bit heartbreaking for them. But, you know, they're going to come back in winter, I hope. And then the third interesting team to me, which I mentioned before, was actually the Southern Stars, uh, who is, again, it's another team that I'm sure a lot of people never heard of. They didn't make top eight. but They were easily the most improved team, almost coming from out of nowhere and then competing with that top 16, nearly getting top eight. Like every series they had was always super, super close. They always seemed to take it to the best teams, but never could find that victory. Uh, They're making roster changes already, looking to improve that roster and make that deeper run. So if you're kind of looking at that OCE region for those exciting up-and-comers, those are the teams to look at. But realistically, because we're hitting the big, you know, off-season, I suppose, even though it's in the middle of season, big roster swap. Uh, Amphis, Ben, Fever, Fiber, Hawk. Those are the five names. Yes, Ben, you you did make my list of sort of these sort of new to this year <laughs> talent that are going to um, absolutely break out. 
celebration time let's go <laughs> uh before well, we... i mean the office right it's it's the office, the office. all over again it is the office <laughs> yes don't contract count choculitis whatever you do uh ben before we get to the power rankings the top 10 uh mm-hmm. nick w in chat is giving us some great questions shout out to nick thank you for all your questions uh, a lot of them are very general in nature, and uh, I am very curious, though, because this is something that we have seen across regions, actually. The question is, is it difficult balancing school and pro Rocket League? And this is a very uh, timely question because we've seen in other regions, uh, I'll use Archie as an example on Top Blokes, where uh, he's going, he's in school right now and he's missed certain events simply because he has a test or he has to uh, study or, or whatever the case may be, so... How difficult is it for you to balance the two? Uh, well, lucky for me, I actually took a gap year this year with all the COVID happening. So luckily I was able to um, avoid balancing uh, uni this year. What's the, but what's the last gap year? year? You could just take a year off? Well, I, I like deferred for a year because I'm oh. thinking about changing course. And, uh, oh my gosh, if I know, knew I, I could to... do that. I would <laughs> my my university experience would have been like ten years if I knew that was possible. <laughs> well, I can only do it for a year, so you know I've used up all my time pretty much. Um, but yeah, uh, last year when I was playing and competing, it it was hard to balance the two, um, especially because I wanted to maintain a social life as well, and you know go out and see my friends. And uh, if you're trying to balance all three, it gets very difficult, especially if you want sleep as well. Like those are the four things you've got: rocket league, school, social life, sleep. You know, you can only pretty much do two of those successfully and then one of those very, very poorly. Um, so it, it, it was difficult. Um, I think if I was a bit more uh, disciplined, it would have been a bit easier to pull off. Because, um, yeah, I definitely had some free time that I would rather spend doing a bit of free play than maybe my assignment that was due the next day. But, um, yeah, I know a lot of players in the scene who are at uni and they they seem to do pretty decently like my teammate requiem he's he's a third year med school student like he's he's really doing something else um like he's got exams in a month so he's he's busy studying for those but yeah he's been uh he's been competing for a long time and doing that all with med school um so yeah he pretty much just dedicates his day to doing um real life stuff um you know his his studies and then he'll come on for scrims and focus the night on that um, See, so it's it's possible th- difficult th- those are the kind of people that you just hate like they're <laughs> smart they go to med school they're going to become a surgeon one day they're going to be extra successful and then on top of that they're professional esports competitors they play professional rocket league and they win championships mm-hmm it is it is it the is disgusting worst. to think about the worst absolutely disgusting <laughs> how dare he honestly really like seriously you take yeah. your 200 iq elsewhere pal man <laughs> the worst. I, I, being honest like i love i actually don't know how like, he handled that teammate. like right i like, don't know like, but... like, like like a medical degree is what like uh several years it's like six seven, years it's six, six years, years just the medical part, right? Like you have to take your undergrad, then you have to take your master's, and then there's the the medical part of it after that. Like that's a mm-hmm. holy cow. The good for him. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. No. It it, it is quite a bit. To be honest, I'm a bit nervous just knowing uh, Requiem as a person. I look. I, I love him to bits, but I definitely wouldn't be going to him as my doctor. Uh, he's got <laughs> quite quite an interesting personality. Um. So look. As, <laughs> 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's a good doctor. With like, that I know in mind, he... smart guy. Never, <laughs> smart. ever would I. <laughs> <laughs> smart guy. Like, I'm Open sure he knows. He, he no, knows his stuff. I, he knows his stuff, but you know, just maybe I'll go to another GP. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. With the reflexes required to be like a champion gamer, maybe that's actually who you exactly want as your surgeon <laughs> in that situation. You know, it's what? a good point. That... Like, General I know he handles his pressure well. Like, like, you know, for a checkup, sure. You, you're going to you're gonna prescribe me some, you know, some over-the-counter Tylenol or oh, something? Okay, sure. Yeah, easy. Just do that, mate. Yeah. But Anything if I had involving to get my... a scalpel? No, thanks. No, if, if, if I had to get my leg amputated, I'm definitely not calling up Rocky. I'm going, hey, mate, you reckon you could fix this up for me? <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. I wish Rocky was in the chat to, to defend him. <laughs> Nevertheless. All right, let's get to our top 10. So every week on the show, we love to do power rankings. This is something that you, the community, have enjoyed. And by the way, we very much appreciate all the comments that you've been giving us, whether it's on Reddit, whether it's on Twitter, our esteemed, amazing, super hardworking producer, Thomas, behind the scenes, uh, who's always in our ear, by the way. I know that I've, I've, I've ha uh, made a good joke when Thomas is laughing in my ear. That is really the barometer at which I judge all of the jokes that I have on the show. Uh, he's mm -hmm. co consistently posting and asking for feedback, and we appreciate you giving us feedback. One of the things that you've mentioned is that you love seeing these top tens, and you would like a little variety. At first, you said, hey, top five per, uh, per region. Now, for the first time ever on Behind the Wheel, uh, due to fan request, we are giving you a top ten for OCE. So Formal, you have put together our top 10, and how we're going to do this is we're going to show 6 to 10 first, and then we're going to go 5 through 1 individually. And of course, Formal, nothing can go wrong. Everyone's going to agree. Everyone's going to look at this <coughs> list, and they're going to say, yeah, sure, of course. My, uh, first, my first question to you, though, is why did you remove Mind Freak from your top 10? Why, why are they not even in your top 10? I'm very curious. All right, we need to talk uh, about this, Formal. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You want to no, just step outside for a bit? I actually have my top 10 out there. You want to? <laughs> like all i'm gonna say is you, you won one major but like i don't know you still need to step it up maybe in the future uh no this this top 10 is actually going to be so hard this was the hardest top 10 i've ever had to do was kind of talking about before the show i because there are a few of us who do like top 10s um within the scene after sort of every tournament uh some names included in the discussion is you know cj cj yummy and they're all currently at the moment tying a lot of these teams up at the top. I can say right now, no ties on my list. I, I stuck to my convictions. The top four is messy. No one is going to agree within the scene whatsoever. The bottom seven to 16 is probably messy where no one will agree. So this list is, uh, it was a tough one, but I hope it represents enough of the uh power ranking system right now ben did have a look with it he seemed to improve approve of it he only called a couple choices interesting and i did change it I, last minute but uh <laughs> for full clarity i never said i approved of the list i'm going to give you the verbatim words that came uh out of my mouth uh <laughs> i said hmm quite an interesting list yeah interesting. that is what i said i did not say well, i that agree doesn't sound like an approval that just sounds I, that like is... an observation it was a kind way of saying interesting. Like, it was, it was a hot take. Hot take is what I'll describe it. So, interesting so, so is an interesting shade. way to Here's the shade, and here's you, Formal, right here. Here's the shade, All right. and here's you right there. Okay, let's get to the list. Mind Freak is on yeah. the list, by the way. Spoiler alert. Let's get to 6 through 10. T talk us through your bottom half of your top 10 power rankings in OCE. Floor is yours. All right. So, 
again, I'm very comfortable with seven and six, but it, it is tough. OCE is tough. When you sort of like take a step out of the top seven right now, anyone can beat anyone on any given day. And a couple of these names might. Yeah, they didn't qualify top 16. They weren't at the major, but the only reason why they weren't was because they weren't able to participate in the second regional. They missed out on an entire tournament's worth of points. Oh, hang on one second. And then, oh, and I believe we're back. Okay, we're back, cool. folks. Nothing to see here. Sorry Continue about that. <laughs> yeah, so Riot, they missed out on a regional. They couldn't get those points required. They still almost were able to get in it. They got themselves in a tiebreak against the Purple Cobras, who would later change their name, and they did come up just short there. However, if you sort of look outside of the RLCS, uh, this team has been beating a lot of the other sort of middle-of-the-pack teams in pretty much every single weekly amateur tournament event. They are just getting first after first after first. Uh, this lineup is super strong. I kind of highlighted Zuko before as a player that I think people should be looking out for in the near future, but the team also has a lot of veterans behind it as well. With Change, uh, he's been around for a long time um, and is still incredibly strong. So I kind of put Riot there, even though they didn't participate in the major. Hazard at number nine is another one that, you know, it's so hard. But Schmoopinator, Sorexual, and Negative, I think they just seem to come up clutch almost every single time they are on stream. Uh, Sorexal in particular, is so hard to predict sometimes with some of his rotations that he can catch teams off guard. Schmoopinator looks better every time I see him play. And they just got that result. They Got a couple of sort of bigger upsets in that most recent major, so it's good to put them on. Uh, number eight, Skyfire. Uh, they had a rough run during the Swiss, I will admit, during the major. And unfortunately, as a result, we couldn't see them in that top eight. But if you look at some of the results that these players had earlier in the year, Riv in particular, super strong player, um, one to watch out for. Has had a lot of success on different teams. Even their subbed baked potato, I think, is another sort of one of these young players that might start to break out soon if he decides to pursue the competitive scene a bit more. Uh, so I kind of have Skyfire at number eight, largely for their potential. Seven is where things get interesting, because at the moment, I have gaming gamers, and that might catch a lot of people off guard. At the moment, the reason why is because there's really only two known members on the, that team at the moment, being one Zen and one fiber fiber is super young super mechanically gifted he is absolutely insane zen young as well but has been in the scene for four years also just a mechanical monster and when you look at the history of this team they've always sort of been like this heavy mechanic team that will go for style sometimes over substance you'll see them pull crazy things uh realize has historically been on this team hawk has historically been on this team uh it's sort of always been their mo now it's looking like they have another. I don't think it's been announced yet, but they have another very, very skilled, very, very mechanical player on the way for this lineup. And I believe they're going to be right back up fighting for that top four. They just need to kind of play a few more games for that to almost be secured there. So this is a team that is going to climb. Uh, keep your eyes on them. And if you want an exciting team to watch, recommend the Gaming Gamers. And then at six, I had our good friends Vort Central. They are at six, almost a little bit by default, just because they kind of became that top benchmark team. Like, if you're beating Vort Central, you are doing things that are right. If you struggle against Vort Central, you kind of 
still need to sort of improve. Uh, Snowy and Vortex have had that sort of synergistic consistency. That's really good. Tango looks so much more comfortable on this lineup than what he did when he was on Camera Havoc and kind of was looking stronger and stronger as well as things progress. Now, they're still a ways away, I feel like, from competing with the big boys of OCE. However, they are just sort of holding down that line in pushing above. And yeah, that's my 10 through 6. Make of it what you will. Uh, so, so a lot ben, to cover right there, but yeah, what, they're a fun group. <laughs> what I'm going to do, Ben, is you're going to be like the adjudicator. Okay. So okay. like as, as he, as formal goes through his list, I'm going to come to you afterwards and you can determine anything about the list and you can analyze however you see fit as the professional player of the three of us. So that's six to 10 there, Thomas, if we don't mind putting that six to 10 back up on the screen there, uh, Ben, what do you, what do you make of that bottom half of the list? Is there anything that might be either a glaring omission or perhaps a, in your opinion, a misordering perhaps? What, what are your thoughts here? Um, yeah, I'll put a bit of sensibility into um, Max's <laughs> list here. Uh, I think for me, the biggest thing is right at number 10. Um, I think in terms of the players, like you look at the, you look at the roster and sure, you've got, you've got some really old names like Seaver and Change have been competing since 2016, 2017, if I'm wrong. Uh, but they've, you know, they've been good friends. They've been grinding for ages. Like I think they've been on a team together for the last maybe year, a bit over a year. Um, like super old players and then, Zuko as well, like he's been competing for uh, a bit over a year. Um, so he's really fresh to the scene, but I wouldn't put them number 10 just purely because they get a lot of losses to teams that they shouldn't. Um, you know, I think the fact that they didn't qualify for the major is a big indicator to me that there's something not right. Um, played two qualifiers, I think... though. <laughs> what? Oh, okay, look. They didn't make a qualifier, right? But they failed to make it out of stage one in, qualif- in regional three. Mm. Yep. And you can't, like, sure, they had to play against Hazard to make it, and Hazard did make top eight in the major. So forgivable, sure. But um, And they did have a hard regional one. Don't, don't get me wrong. They definitely had it rough, right? But you had to beat Globo, Jim, Purple Cobras to make it to the major, and you lost. And it wasn't, it wasn't really that close. Like it, if you if you're not able to pull out the clutch factor in that match, you're not exactly doing much damage in the major, and I don't think that puts you top ten. For me personally, I'd probably put Solicit as tenth because they have actually made it to top eight in uh, regional three. I believe they've made it to every event. They've been competitive um, in terms of the players. They're a mix of. I wouldn't call them old players. I wouldn't call them new players. They're becoming veterans, I guess. I mean, Zade on that team has been competing for a bit over a year. Same with Cobo. Yeetzee's been around for two, maybe three years competitively. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but yeah, I'll probably put that team at number 10 over right. For the rest of the list, though, I kind of have to agree for the most part. Um, I would probably be putting Gaming Gamers uh, at fun. number four. Five, just because of the new roster. Um, maybe six. I don't know. Like the, the uh, gaming gamers are going to climb. Team. They're going to they're climb. Gonna, like they're going to climb. Yeah. Sure. Like just just in terms of the raw mechanical ability. But um, you know, I think if there's one thing that isn't for certain is oh, the one thing that is for certain is that just having raw mechanics isn't 
net you wins. Like, sure, it nets you wins most of the time, but, you know, there's got to be something else there. So if they're able to figure themselves out in that regard, then I think they definitely will climb fast, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I would probably be putting gaming gamers at a sixth or a fifth. Um, but I definitely agree with Vought Central being sixth, seventh, kind of being like a benchmark team. They seem to not consistently lose... Oh, they seem to consistently beat anyone who isn't above them in the PR. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much the only adjustments I have for that list. But you know, I, I agree with Hazard being nine or at least in the top ten. I think they showed a lot of potential in handling pressure, which I don't think anyone really expected. Um, so maybe maybe they deserve the tenth spot, and maybe Solicit is number nine. But um, yeah, they're, they're definitely deserving of top 10 after the performance on the weekend i will say this and this is going to be conceding a point back over to you zade has actually looked stronger this year than he has in years previous i think zade is absolutely doing phenomenal things this year so if you want to make that adjustment that's fine i just feel riot as a team had one bad tournament and a lot of people are kind of putting a lot of weight and granted that was the big tournament like that was the one where they needed to step up and they fell short I think another team that could also make an argument for the top 10 is actually Ferox, but kind of have run into the similar problems. Like when it came down to that match where they had to win, they actually fell victim to that reverse sweep, and that was very, very crushing for them. Uh, so mm-hmm. it is rough on both the sides. And to defend my gaming gamers at 7, like as I'm saying, they're going to climb. When that roster gets officially released and people say, yes, this is the gaming gamers, and they start to gel and get those results, gaming gamers has potential to jump to top 4 in theory. So I just can't put a two-man roster right now. I, I love Vive. Vive is a great dude, but he is sort of that Band-Aid fix to the team right now. And until the Band-Aid is ripped off, I can't really say that they are above the benchmark team just yet. Yeah, okay, that makes some sense. Uh, I definitely agree with this eight point, though. Like, he's definitely looked strong this year. Um, I yeah. did think about putting Ferox in top 10, but when I looked at it, um, in terms of uh actually making it to top eight i think that is a big determine determining factor for me so that's why i had to give it to solicit over ferox so we have our bottom half of the list presented to you now let's go through our top five in reverse order so formal as we begin your top five list here in our espn esports behind the wheel oce rocket league team power ranking who do you have at number five and why Number five is a familiar face for those who follow the scene. One of the more known ones, it is the Canberra Havoc, the traditional Canberra Havoc. Your Leduc, your Spy Dog, or Spy Doge, as I like to call him, and your Walcott. This team always seems to bounce around in like that top five to top eight sort of scenario. Like They're always up there. They're always competitive. And they're almost a trap team sometimes to like barracks and think they're going to go that distance because they will look great one game and then kind of sloppy the next. Uh, one of the more momentum-based teams, I feel, in the league. The thing is, recently, they've been getting hot again. They've been starting to put through those results that make people sort of turn their heads and go like, yeah, this actually could be that good team. Um they win the games they're supposed to win. Um, it's sort of like that advanced form of how you're describing Solicit or almost Board Central. Like, if you looked at their Swiss run through the major, they, they beat Direwolves. It was kind of dicey, but they get the win. They beat Skyfire. It was kind of dicey, but they get the win. Solicit looked a bit more comfortable. They, um, 
Actually, sorry. I, whoops, I just read the wrong team's notes. My apologies. They beat Skyfire, Ferox, and Gaming Gamers. Those were Mind yep. Freaks results. My apologies. For I was going to say they sounded pretty oh, similar, yeah, yeah. but, you know. That, <laughs> no, no. It was, it was, they got over Gaming Gamers. It was dicey. They got over Skyfire. It was dicey. And they got over Ferox, which even though it was 3-0, that one actually looked kind of clean again. So, like, the point is they get wins, but they don't always look the best. They'll always challenge the best teams, but their results kind of are a bit more consistent. I don't know. I just feel that this team does have a ceiling, unfortunately, and it's not as high as the top four right now in OCE. Uh, they can't really seem to break through that barrier unless they have a good day. And I do feel that while this new resurgence and this new Canberra Havoc, the same as the old Canberra Havoc, has been making waves and has looked stronger than that terrible finish in season nine, to say that they're a top four team, they just, I don't think that they are there unless maybe they find a new coach. Maybe they somehow convince Jimma to come back. That could maybe push them up again, but they're just not there yet, unfortunately. Um, Sorry, I'll, I was just going to... Go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 um, go, go. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with Canberra Havoc as number five at the moment. Like, If you put Vought Central as the benchmark team for the teams below it, I think Canberra Havoc is like the benchmark for the benchmark teams at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, like old, 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 old school lineup. Like it's the it's the lineup that got them to Worlds in season eight. You know, they play the exact same as they did back then. Um, very defensive, counterattacky team. Um, but yeah, the in terms of breaking top four, it definitely seems like the the only team they have been is us. Um, and that's yeah. because I think there was like some playstyle uh, mismatches for us, and it was uh, hard for us to win. But uh, yeah, they're they're definitely a fifth team at the moment. Um, you know, as, as I said earlier, I reckon gaming games would be able to take that yeah. spot from them. Uh, but you know, that would be with time. I, I think at the moment, um, they're actually not a bad team. Like I know quite a few people kind of clown on them because. They're a very annoying team to play against and don't consider it yes. like a, a winning play style. And maybe because some of the members on that team decide to own gold to the top left um, for no <laughs> apparent reason. I'm not going to say who, but it rhymes with um, well, Ladakh. It rhymes with truck. <laughs> it rhymes with truck. It. it rhymes with And truck. you should spam it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely think Canberra Havgis Fifth is a sensible Placing. I actually, I, I will actually talk about Leduc a little bit more though, because I do feel he is one of the driving factors to the team's successes and at times failures. He's a very unorthodox player. Like I hear and sort of see it all the time. Like his rotations are always kind of bizarre. He's also sort of that like I almost want to say like the heart of the team. Like he wears his emotions on his sleeve. When he's feeling good, the team does play well. When he's feeling a little bit off, the team does struggle. And it's sort of his play style that can throw opponents off guard and off kilter. So yeah, they're always constantly known as like these defensive counterattack style, but I kind of feel that's the way how Rocket League is sort of becoming and playing a bit more in the Oceanic region. So they're almost ahead of the curve there. Yet Leduc has to be feeling good, has to be playing consistent for this team to find that larger success. And when he is playing well, like, Canberra Havoc can't compete with the best of them. Like, as you mentioned before, like, you struggled against matchup-wise. I would have to think Leduc was probably the one who was, you know, catching you off guard. Spydoge and Walcott, they're each relatively consistent. So I do feel one of 100% certainty, like, this team's successes and failures does kind of fall back down onto Leduc. 
Yeah, I, I can, like that. I there's can... like a gatekeeper for the gatekeeper. It's like a yeah, announcement it's... of an announcement. <laughs> very esports. Very very well done. Uh, okay, let's move on to number four. Who do you have a number four formal? Number four is going to be a controversial one. I'm going to say that right now because you sort of look at their results and you go, "How is this team number four? But it also kind of comes down to what you expect out of power rankings. For number four, for me, it's actually going to be cringe society. Uh, on paper, this roster should be the best. They should be winning tournaments. They should be taking events. But something isn't clicking for them. Yes, they won one of the regionals. However, and they constantly would make the finals of them, but they could never seem to finish. And that's sort of, in what my eyes, is differentiating them from those top three teams. The top three teams have proven that they can finish right now. They can adapt if a series starts to go bad and they can bring it back. Uh, so that comeback, I've seen a bit more from them. It feels to me like with Cringe Society, when things start to go bad, they, especially in recent times, just haven't been able to dig themselves out of the, that hole. And then I don't know if it gets to them. Now, granted, this is only against the top teams, right? If you are a lower seeded team and you are going up against Cringe Society, you are scared because they are going to absolutely beat you in every single facet of play, especially in recent months where they've sort of, again, more with that trend where I kind of see the region going. They have been getting a bit more defensive, a bit more patient than what they used to be when they started, which is a bit surprising just because of um, how aggressive Deca can sometimes be. Yet his inclusion to the lineup almost seems to have calmed him down in comparison to when Spidoge was on the lineup and they were super aggressive all the time. They just haven't been able to finish, unfortunately, and I don't doubt that they have the ability to do so. I mean, historically, we've seen it time and time again from them, but right now, it's just, unfortunately, they haven't won yet. They're that one team of sort of that top three that haven't had that big major victory, and when you have to sort of rank by how much power they have, they're sort of all bark at this stage, and they haven't had that big lethal bite. See what I did there, but yeah. Uh, so Cringe Society yeah. at number four for me. Um, feel free to tear me apart for this one because when you look at that lineup, you say, "How can this be a, the fourth team?" Well, they need the results to well, back it up. Unfortunately, I, I do want to point out that so the three regionals in OCE, right? Cringe Society mm -hmm. won the first one. They came yes. in second in the second one. They also came in second in the third one. They bowed out in the semifinals of the major. So. Just to play devil's advocate here, Ben, would that not warrant enough results in the four major tournaments of the region for RLCSX to earn a top three placement? Or is this a fair position for them? Um, personally, I would probably put us fourth. Uh, I would think Mind Freak, you know, we've only had... We've had one victory, right? Like, all the top four teams, they've each had their own one victory, right? Like, Cringe Society won the first one, then Renegades, then Ground Zero, then us. I think the event that Cringe won, it was uh, different because it was the only event that didn't have a top eight single Elim. Uh, it was a top four in a Swiss uh, double elimination bracket. And the main reason why that is a big difference is because Ground Zero didn't make the playoffs. Given that Cringe Society did beat them twice in Swiss, so obviously Cringe Society were the better team um, for that event, but uh, it definitely seemed like 
Cringe Society won the event where there wasn't much competition from the other big teams. Um, like Renegades weren't okay. feeling too hot. Um, GZ weren't even in the playoffs, and we were like a pretty green team as well. Um, and we went super super hot at the start. So they they did win. Right? Um, you're right, and the second place finishes in the other two events. You could definitely agree. Like, surely that's a top three finish. And it is in my eyes, but it's only third in my eyes. Um, because every event has pretty much had one team come out super dominant. Um, it was Crinticide in the first one. Renegades absolutely tore apart the second event. Mm-hmm. And same with Grand Zero in the third one. So mm-hmm. at the moment, it kind of seemed like uh, whatever team was hot on the day between those uh, three teams would win, but I don't think Cringe have beaten GZ or Renegades for a while now, like in the past few weeks, and I think that's kind of a a big sign that there isn't actually something right there. Um, So, yeah, I'm definitely a bit surprised that Formal put them fourth, Um, maybe giving a bit too much credit to us, but yeah, I I think it's still only a third for me. That is some that is some honest assessment right there, man. That is among yeah. the most honest analysis we have had on this show in its entirety. <laughs> wow. I mean, you should have you should have put us lower, man. But we're not that good formal. You should have put <laughs> us down the list. Is, OCE is built on the pillars of like what is perceived as three great teams right now. And I can understand that. And I, I'm always one who's always kind of guess kind of rooting for those younger players. And again, it's what do you consider a power ranking to actually be? I do consider momentum and winning majors to weigh very heavily in how I sort of rank these teams right now. And cringe society didn't win the major. Unfortunately, mind freak did. And it feels wrong to say the team that just won the biggest tournament in our region isn't even in the top three. I, I can't do that. Like it, that victory, I might be putting it a bit on a pedestal. I will admit it. But especially with my fourth, third, and second team, it's almost like rock, paper, scissors for sort of who beats who right now. And Ben will want to put Cringe Society higher because unfortunately, you know, in this situation, paper beats rock. And it, Cringe Society would be that paper and Mind Freak would kind of be that rock right now. But then when you throw scissors into the mix, which is going to be my number three team, hmm. well, things get a little bit different right now. So 100%, I understand why people would say Cringe Society should be higher. And I think Cringe Society should be higher, actually. I'm surprised as well with my own list, but it's just, I don't know what's gone wrong. Like, why has this team not been able to get that results that they're looking for? How come they have missed out on the past two major tournament finals in terms of, like, RLCS Season 9? They missed out on the finals there as well. They came up just short, losing to Fury. Uh, this year, they drop in that semifinal again with a slightly different lineup, but still a very, very strong one, still that same core. They need that big result. They need that big tournament victory to sort of justify, I feel, a little bit in holding out for trying to find a major organization as well to Mm -hmm. back them up. And the pressure is going to be building on this lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some changes soon. I do think they're moving in the right direction with that change in play style. And I think it really is only a matter of time before they just absolutely tear it up again like they did in that first regional. But right now, if we're going to look at us in a bubble of essentially this week, I can't put them higher than fourth, unfortunately. So, first of all, 
in playing rock, paper, scissors, always pull out the dynamite. It always wins. Doesn't matter if you're cheating. <laughs> the one thing personally, I love about personally, these... I'm more of a gun guy, but you know, that <laughs> yeah, either works. It, it just obliterates everything else. <laughs> just, just use something that wins against everything. Yes. The one thing I will say that I love about these power rankings is everybody brings their own definitions to the table. And we have this conversation, especially in regions that have a grid like Europe and, and, and a, we always ask the question, how much do you value the grid when you're putting together these rankings? Because clearly the regional is more important than the grid in terms of prestige and prize money, et cetera, or just, just value. But some people will still value those grid results, whereas others will say, ah, they're just glorified scrims. So I, I, I appreciate very much the thought process of how you put things together and in saying, look, the major is the world championship, so to speak, or the, 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 the regional championship of the split. Of course, it's the most important event, and it should be weighted as such in this power ranking. So I'm glad you said that formal. And now yeah. we get to your top three, and I can't wait to see what people think of this ordering. Give us number three. All right, so number three for me is going to be, I think, like everyone's probably going to agree, this is probably going to be the three team, but it's going to be ground zero. In this situation, I think a lot of people will probably switch my two and four around. But yeah, uh, Ground Zero is going to be my number three coming off of that season nine victory. Again, they've changed the lineup a bit since then. They now have the inclusion of Amphis instead of Decca, but they still look incredibly strong. Amphis is that big breakout player. They won that third regional. They started, had that slow start, but then they brought it back then. And they were actually my pick to take everything. I thought they were just going to actually obliterate. I thought this was going to be Amphis's big breakout tournament, and until that grand final, it really was. Amphis is a very special player. Uh, you have that veteran leadership in Jules and Express. Jules, who, until actually winning, I feel like, in Season 9, kind of had like that cloud over his head as like not being clutched, not being able to seal the deal, but then they win Season 9, and suddenly they are this big threatening team. Express always a constant rock, and yeah, for me, they sit at number three. They can beat Cringe Society. I think they've proven it a few times now. Like, yeah, they'll go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. They'll beat Cringe Society. And I just want to throw out, whenever there is going to be a Cringe Society versus Ground Zero match, watch it. Because those series are always the most insane series. People call Renegades versus Cringe Society kind of the El Clasico down here. But no, it should be GZ versus Cringe because... They just take it to that next level when they play against each other. Um, either way, though, yeah, losing that finals, I think, kind of hurt their power rankings. Um, I, it, you, it's hard to put them in the top two because they have been a little bit inconsistent throughout. Um, I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite later when with my number two team. But yeah, uh, a bit inconsistent in terms of their results throughout the regionals. I think missing out on that top four of the first regional was a bit surprising. Um, gaming gamers kind of snuck in in front of them. It was a bit unfortunate for that squad, but this is a team that looks very, very strong. They've hit their strive. Uh, they're always a threat to win any tournament that they are in, and people should be on the lookout because Amphis in particular is just going to be getting better and better, I feel like, with each and every event, and soon he should be that international household name. Ben, you beat Ground Zero. Mind Freak beat Ground Zero in the finals to capture the major championship. How do you feel about them at number three? Ah, uh, I would probably, I mean, I was, I was trying to think of my own list before the show and I was tossing up between Grand Zero as number two or number one. Um, I had to kind of remind myself of how, uh, Grand Zero have gone against Renegades historically. Um, 
like they beat Renegades twice in regional event three, which is the one that they won. Um, but they didn't beat them in either, you know, ROA Masters, which is our version of the grid now, um, or the league, which is like a weekly tournament. So in the in the weeklies recently, they've lost to Renegades, but on the big stage, they they beat Renegades. So I was probably going to put them at number one, I think, because they do seem to be able to beat out the other um, the other teams pretty consistently. Uh, I think as third, it's kind of a bit weird. Like, I mean, sure, like you put the point earlier that uh, considering that Cringe made won the first one, made the grand finals twice, and then came third in the major, that kind of nets them like a top three finish. Well, Ground Zero have only gone up pretty much. Like, they went fifth, and then they came third, and then they won. And then they came second in the major. But that's pretty much an upwards trajectory. And I think it's kind of downplaying their improvement as a team to put them as third. So I would, I would personally put them as second, I think. Um, maybe even number one. But for me, it's kind of a toss-up between GZ and Renegades in that regard, but definitely not third. Okay, we're up to so, our top two now. Or actually, yeah. you want to add one thing? Yeah, I just want to say one we, thing. Okay, Here's the fun thing about like OCE's top four right now. I feel like everyone's list is going to be different from fourth to first, and everyone's list can be justified as something being correct right now. That is sort of how tight uh, these top four are. Sure. And because everything Ben is saying, it's like, yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, especially the let's go back to cringe. You know how like they're on that downward trajectory. Grazio's on that upward trajectory. But there is only one team that I think has had a bit more extreme of an upward trajectory, which is why they're my number two. <laughs> so why don't we get to that? Let's actually combine number one and number two here, as we only have a few minutes left on the program. Yeah. But uh, I'm pretty sure people can guess which two teams are in your two and one. Some people might be surprised at the way that you ordered your two-in-one, but uh, tell us who are at number one and number two and, and your reasons why. Right, so number two is going to be Mind Freak. Uh, they won the major. That says a lot. They've recently brought in a coach, <laughs> seen an immediate improvement in the team, seeing immediate results, and they're the best possible results you can get. I know I'm projecting a little bit when I kind of put them above the likes of Ground Zero and Crin Society because that's saying, yes, I'm betting on this team to be able to sort of sustain this momentum. However, if you kind of go back to what I've been seeing all throughout the day is like, well, we're starting to see this rise and sort of a shift in sort of how OCE is approaching the game. Similarly, we're starting to see that rise of those younger players. And this team has two of those younger players that I'm sort of highlighting right now um, in both Fever and Ben. You have the veterancy in Requiem. You have a new coach, which is improving the mindset of them all. And we saw those results with a major victory. So why not put them at that second place spot? Now, if you want to go further back, yeah, they didn't have that same success in the regionals. In fact, they were constantly fighting for like fourth, fifth, sixth with um, gaming gamers and Vort Central. And there were some results. Sometimes they would lose the game they were supposed to win. But that was before the structure really came into play. That was before you really started to see that defined play style that they use to advance through this major. Uh, you almost have to look at Mindfreak almost like an entirely new team um, in that regards. And they came out winning that first big tournament. There is a threat that they could be regression. I'm sorry, Ben. Yeah, I do see a world where, you know, a couple bad results, you know, in 
you know, the RLO Masters, and that could drop. And I'm hoping for your sake it doesn't because I really do believe that this team can go far. Um, but right now, if we're sort of, again, sort of taking that bubble where those teams lie, I find it hard not to take a team that wins a major, not in first or second. Um, and then just real quick, because again, time, sorry. Renegades, number one. Uh, they win everything except for RLCS events, apparently, in OCE. Uh, for those who don't know the scene too much, yeah, if there's ever another tournament that's happening, Renegades are pretty much always going to win. They were one game away from a grand final, which I'm pretty sure they would have beaten against Ground Zero should, you know, they have completed that reverse sweep, but losing it by one goal does hurt. Uh, they admittedly had been actually slumping a little bit as well through some of those regionals. And even when slumping, they're making finals appearances. They're winning regionals. They're always looking incredibly strong. So the Renegades as well, the team that's been playing together the longest in the scene, they have the most clearly defined play style, I feel like, and they've been using it and improving on it time and time again. Uh, Renegades are still sort of that one team to beat, and they are the favorites going into any tournament within our region. Formal, how much of a gap is there between Renegades at number one and the rest of the field? One goal. One goal. That's one, it. One goal. Like that's what it was. Like that is how tight it really is. I feel like with this top four, um, because it's gone to that stage right now where any of these teams, I feel like, can make an argument that they can win sort of any tournament at this stage. Are the Renegades above uh, a little bit? Yeah, but like it was that one goal difference that really, I guess, pushed them down a bit. But I think like one or two goals, so many times against cringe society in particular when they go at it. It's the team that gets those first couple goals that gets the momentum that gets the series. Renegades kind of sometimes do have that slower start, I suppose. But when they get going, they are the scariest team to face when they are hot right now. And I feel like, yeah, one or goal gets them going. One goal puts them above the other. So that's kind of why I say one goal. Ben, any final thoughts on this top 10? Um, I Yeah, I definitely think second is a bit generous for us just because, you know, if you want to look at, historical results against the split it's definitely not top two like we like we won the major sure but that doesn't mean that we were close to winning any of the other events um and i don't think that nets us a top two spot and i'm and I'm glad you say that but i definitely think you put ground zero and renegades in the top two spots for sure um in terms of renegades at number one versus the rest i think you are right it is it is close um but on their day, I definitely do think Renegades are probably the hardest team to play against. Um, just more generally, they seem to be the most dominant when they are on. Um, obviously, sure, like if Amphis and Ground Zero are having their best day, you know, they are hard to beat. Same with Cringe Society. Like, I don't think... I'm not taking that away from them. But, yeah, I definitely think Renegades are number one is uh, something that most people could agree on in the region. So there it is, Formal's top 10. Going through it one more time. Number one, Renegades. Two, Mind Freak. Three, Ground Zero. Four, Cringe Society. Five, Canberra Havoc. Six, Vort Central. Seven, Gaming Gamers. Eight, Skyfired. Nine, Hazard. And 10, Riot. Thank you, Formal, for putting that together. Before we go here, uh, let's just talk about where people can find you, what's coming up next, what can people look forward to. Uh, ben, let's start with you, man. Thanks for your time, by the way. Thanks for sticking with us for the entire show. Uh, mm. Like a like a true champion that you are, gracing us with your presence here. Uh, what, <laughs> okay, what's all up? right. <laughs> what's next for you? Um, Not a whole lot, really. Uh, pretty much just going to be spending the next few days uh, chilling out with the team. Um, probably going to be streaming a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, not not a, not a whole lot on the horizon. Pretty much just uh, you know settling into the off season a little bit, giving ourselves a little bit of a break. Um, but yeah, not not a whole lot on the horizon for me personally. I don't think. How about for you, formal? Ah, uh, kind of the opposite. I'm going to be a little bit um, busy. I mean, my plan, at least for today, is spend the next couple hours defending myself probably on Twitter for the worst power <laughs> rankings ever. Uh, then, you know, it's uh, heading down, doing some work with some high schools and trying to help, you know, promote and develop their eSports program. Uh, you can find me as well at the uh, QUT or Queensland University of Technology. Uh, we have our InterVarsity League of Legends Championship, so the playoffs for that start tomorrow. And then, of course, RLO Masters, as you said, it's sort of our version of the grid right now. I'm kind of helping run that situation. So if you actually want to watch Rocket League, Ben, I'm hoping you're actually going to be playing in that right now because I need you to defend your number two position, even though you don't think it's going to happen. I, I need it right now, man. I need it. Okay. So uh, you'll probably be seeing right. me lurking around there as well. well. We'll do our best for you. We'll do our best for you. I'm pretty sure we plan on playing the Masters this week. So I know we'll try. We'll try. Uh, we'll try our best to defend your power rankings. But man, you you <laughs> dug quite a hole for yourself. Like this is on you, man. Don't put this no. on me. No. <laughs> You're the player, right? Like, I mean, I, I can't affect whether or not you win or lose. Uh, no, but you can affect your power rankings. You can definitely affect your power rankings. Well, and you had speaking, all the opportunity to change that. Speaking of doing your best, here are our top 10 plays of the week to end the show. Thank you to Ben. Thank you to Formal for joining us. It was nice talking OCE on Behind the Wheel. Don't forget, we're on the air every single Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Good vibes and acts of kindness, everybody. We will catch you next week. Strippe. Two minutes left to play. Orsas trying to put another one. As a big miss by Express. Ball up is there from Becca. Pinches it in and a two-goal lead for Cringe. Look at this ground pinch from Decca. He waits for it to hit the ground. Upside oh down. Flips around. <laughs> that was crazy. 80 miles an hour. This is going to be such a difficult situation for for crown zero to come back from we'll see what they're made of oh, now oh, that was nasty that was amazing look at this light touch to keep possession just the smallest touch and instead of passing he's gonna go for the shot back post and down used his flip perfect trying to weather the storm as that one skips just wide now fiber has zenulus lurking in midfield but opted for the shot so zen has to play this Fiber again Ooh. over Spoopernator and through negative. Oh, and this is what we're not seeing from Hazard. It's this little element. Look at Zen, the tiny touch to Fiber. And then Fiber just carries that all the way through. Gets a little bump on negative, I believe. Got some comp. Jules backing off, but still the ball over his head. And now Fever trying to challenge Express. Express with so much time to read. Gets it away. But the pressure slowly creeping back. He's overdone. Mind freaks Fever and came back. Express and I believe it's Jules here get tied up on the backboard. They were staring at Requiem because Requiem jumped from so far away. They're both so transfixed with his approach, trying to figure out where the ball's going to go. And then Caveman Band lands. Like the play from Jules. Definitely trap the ball, earn possession. Make sure you've got it. Fever with a bad clear. Jules no! to handle it. This time he's not going to miss. We'll see you in game five. How did this one go in? Off the backboard, Fever finally makes not the perfect touch. That's what it took.
just a slight imp they needed to know that fever was human the clears have just been much better they're over the first man they're high into space yeah. away from cowabunga players it's making oh it tough for them to defend sicky dunks it down for the full fourth goal oh this is a huge dunk he takes it off the wall flips into it a little bit late and then crashes the net Yep, to extend their series Ooh. lead. Here's K-Man Ben looking for a follow-up shot. Jules, one save, make it two right off the gates. Seven seconds in, he's already on the board. I wrote that one off. I thought Jules was what? not going to make oh. it, but oh. <laughs> what was that? What a goal here from Mind Freak. <laughs> they cooked this one up in some weird laboratory here. K-Man oh, Ben wow. back to Requiem, the aerial one-two-one. And man, Mind Freak, my mind's freaking out. the win of he's predicted many of these 50 50s correctly negative consistently Whoa. moving before finger look to triple what? them all absolutely breaks their axles and that's the lead for sky finn catches this pass and i'm thinking he's gonna rip that into the left side does nothing with it gives the defense they are starting to struggle a little bit for booze torsos had to struggle for the save and here comes current society again Dripping, going for Ooh. the air dribble, gets the dunk. He had Decca across the field, but he says, nah, I got this. Taking it himself, perfectly positioning behind the ball. Now Zen has five lurking again and almost hit him, but Smoopernator made the stop. But this goes off of Zen. Well, it's a great back pass after the demo. Now Fiber, I'll flip reset past oh. him. Five, and he forces it through. Hold on, I need to see this again. Fiber, we gotta slow this play down. I don't know how we got so much power. Did he double flip reset? Oh That's what I was wondering. My. I didn't know if he got the second flip.